outages, and more. The city's goal is for every city resident to sign up and receive these time-sensitive notifications, and now's the best time to do it. For more information and to sign up, scan the QR code in this week's Country Bounty or click the link on SheridanMedia.com. Remember when your mom used to say, don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back? Well, if you ignored her and broke your arm, then the Health Nut is the place for you to get all healthy again. Every inch of the Health Nut can make you feel better about yourself. The soup, sandwich, and salad bar, and smoothie so good you'll forget you even got a broke arm. Remember how your mom used to say you'd forget your head if it wasn't glued on? Well, we can't fix that, but most everything else at the Health Nut in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. Buy two weeks, get two weeks free. Our classified ad special going on right now at the Country Bounty. When you buy two weeks, you get two weeks free. The Country Bounty is your source for classified ads in Sheridan and Johnson counties with a circulation of over 17,000 households. So don't wait. Buy two weeks and get two weeks free. The Country Bounty classified deadline is every Thursday at 1 p.m. Call 674-4312 or email countrybounty at sheridanmedia.com. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Now, this morning, I am joined by Wyoming Game and Fish Public Information Specialist, Christina Schmidt. Good morning, Christina, and Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, what did you do? Did you stay in for New Year's? Did you go out and celebrate? Went out of town. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, went with some friends. Yeah, we have some friends that we celebrate New Year's with every year for many, many years. And oh, we, that's we always cool. pick a different place to go, and um, you know, sometimes it's Rapid City or... Sometimes it's just Buffalo or, yeah. you know, we just go somewhere, get, just get out of town. So, um, and with the good weather, we were able to travel and do that. That's so. a really good idea. Like once a year, just, you yeah. know, it's coming. It gives you a chance to get out of town, go have some fun and yeah. uh, just kind of unwind for a little bit. Yes. I will say we didn't make it till midnight, but that's okay. <laughs> the older I get, the more yeah. I'm okay with celebrating New York time, right? Like exactly. 10 o'clock, yeah. I'm ready for bed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. We barely made it at, uh, at our house as well. We were, we were in bed, I think by 1130, just hanging on for midnight. Soon as it was 12 o'clock, gave a kiss, rolled over, went to sleep, and that was the new year. Now, I've been asking uh, a lot of my guests uh, various questions. Uh, what hobby would you like to develop going into 2024? But with you, I want to know, what is one thing you should throw out this year that you haven't done? And this can be anything. Anything from, uh, you know, I've heard drawers full of, like, old phone chargers that for some reason we feel compelled to hang on to? I wouldn't have thought of that until you said it, but yes, I have a pile of those. Oh, my God, yes. We all and do. And actually old phones, too. I think I've yeah. probably got like five phones sitting around in chargers, and I keep thinking, I'll use this. One day. Right? You throw it away, and then you need it. So, yeah, I, I had definitely. Well, I you know, we moved last year, so I actually did a fairly good Purging of unnecessary, nice. yeah. you know, that's the, as stressful as it is, that's one good thing of moving, like you get rid of a bunch of unnecessary stuff, but I guess one thing I know I accumulate besides phone chargers, uh, reading material, I have a lot of subscriptions for magazines of different sorts, and I, I read almost all of them, but I get behind, and so... You'll come back to it, right? I think Every I will, You'll and then I never it. do, so they just collect on the coffee table and... <laughs> So I guess I should get rid of some six-month-old magazines that <laughs> yeah. are irrelevant at this point, um, just collecting dust. Um, but, yeah, that's an interesting question. Boy, when you start thinking, there's a lot of things there's one could get rid of. Yeah, I mean, again, when you move, you realize, like, how much you accumulate and carry around with you. That like, I have, Do I need this stuff? Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who was a minimalist, oh. and he always practiced, if he didn't touch it in six months, it went out. No matter what it was, if he didn't use it in some way over the course of six months, he got rid of it. I have got way too much stuff sitting in a storage shed 
And when I think, you know, when's the last time I really looked, even looked through it? Gosh, you're looking at two years. Why am I keeping that stuff? And paying to keep it. And pay, yes, and paying every month to keep that stuff. So it makes you wonder, you know, it is a good question to ask somebody because you're right. It gets you thinking about why am I hanging on to these things? I had some friends who moved twice within a year. I think like eight months difference. And I thought this was very brave, but the boxes they had not opened from their first move. Brilliant. After eight months, they're like, pitch them. Don't need them. Yeah. Didn't even look at them. They said, we haven't even opened this in eight months. We must not need it. I, I, I don't know if I would be that brave. <laughs> I would think of like childhood treasures that were stuck in these boxes. They just got tossed. But I, yeah, they, they said, we're done. I have, I think it's three totes of old military uniforms, old military gear, just sitting there doing nothing. Why do I have this? But I, but for some reason, I feel absolutely compelled to keep that. There's just something inside it. I, like maybe it's just giving up a part of your history, or you think you're giving up a part of your history in some way. But yeah, I got to get rid of it because uh, I imagine, you know, it's going to end up being a nest for mice. So <laughs> I don't want to, don't want to support that. So there, it's it's a question to ask yourself. Going into the next year, what can I get rid of? And uh, it doesn't have to be a thing. It could be, you know, like uh, we were talking about before, an attitude or or the way that we approach something. A lot of self-reflection in one little question. Now, the Wyoming Game and Fish is going to conduct two deer mule management projects at the end of this month. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Yeah, so... Uh Two projects, like you said, um, that are going to involve uh, low-level flying. So folks may see if, if they live in these areas or traveling through, you might see low-flying aircraft. Uh, so the first um, is a continuation of the mule deer monitoring project. So this is a statewide project. Folks probably uh, remember last year did a lot of publicity when this kicked off. It's a five-year project. So this is the start of year two. Uh, so last January, so there are five herds around the state that were chosen for an intensive look at what's going on with them. And uh, one of them that was chosen is the North Bighorn Herd here in our area. And uh, that is on both sides, east and west side of the Bighorns here. And uh, research was set up to have GPS collars on 210 animals in each of those what we call focal herds. So there's a little over a thousand statewide. So in our area, 210. So last January, uh, we contract with a capture crew, professional capture crew that does this work, and they put GPS collars on 30 bucks, 80 does, and 100 juveniles. So these, so last January, these would have been uh, deer that were born in the summer. By winter, they're about six months old. And so that totaled 210. And this January, we're going to do two things. One, replace collars on the bucks and does who have died since that time. So there's just a replacement to get back up to that 30 bucks, 80 does. So we just want to get back to our 210. Yep. So the goal is to start each year or maintain that 30 and 80 number. For the juveniles, and, and, and those will, those collars stay on the animal, you know, for their life or, um, you know, hopefully till the end of the study, uh, you know, battery life and all of that is a consideration. But those are long-term collars that are staying on those animals. For the juveniles, it's different. They actually have pro programmed those to only stay on about six months or so. So those are programmed to come off um, in the summer. So all of the ones that were, all of the juveniles that were collared, Last January, those collars came off in July and were collected. Um, so there are no juveniles with collars at this time, so they will be putting 100 new collars on, on juveniles. So pretty intensive uh, pretty intensive project. And like I said, this is just one of, of five different herds that they're looking at. Uh, but but five-year study, uh, those collars are getting locations every two hours. 
So lots and lots of data wow. on where these animals are moving. Uh, but movement's only one part of it. They're looking at lots of different things, survival, um, you know, what is the composition of the, of the herd, uh, males, females, juveniles, um, how are juveniles doing, surviving to adulthood, um, all these different things. So looking at lots of different things. Now, I know it was probably part of a different study, but uh, you invited me once to kind of witness one of these air captures. Absolutely fascinating the way they get this done. Uh, kind of an air-powered net gun from a helicopter is fired at the, at the animal, which brings them down, and then they're sedated, taken back, and studies are done while, or excuse me, samples are taken while you're putting the collar on or checking on that collar. Is that kind of the exact same procedure that we're going to be following with this study? No. A little different. Oh, wow. little okay. different. So the one you went to um, was the Upper Powder River deer herd. Okay, so that's down by KC. And, and that was, again, very specific look at that herd, but they were looking at different things. So the research was different, and the study was designed differently. Uh-huh. So for that one, like you said, they did capture them by a helicopter with a net gun. They actually are not sedated. Oh, okay. Um, so they are blindfolded uh, to keep them calm um, and, and hobbled for safety. Uh, then they were physically brought to a staging area because they wanted, we had researchers who wanted to look at very specific things. Um, one of the things they were looking at, for example, um, was body condition. So they took a lot of measurements. So you're right. Someone is is, is fitting that collar on, but they're getting weight. They're measuring girth, length. Um, There was an ultrasound machine that looked at body fat. So they wanted to see what kind of condition those animals were in going into winter. Because of course, you know, that's the toughest time and you want the animals to be nice and healthy, as have plenty of fat, as, as prepared as possible going in. So they were looking at some really specific things with that. And then those animals were released um, from there, but they were not sedated. Um, it, you know, when, when you, when you use immobilization drugs on animals, there's always a risk there. So um, if, if it can be done without, that's, that's how they did it. So this that's amazing is, because I don't remember any incidents. Maybe that's why I automatically thought, well, they got to be sedated. Because I don't, well, I'm sure you have seen well, a couple the, incidences of know, kicking or something like that. The the crews that we contract with are professionals. This is this is what they do. They do this all over the country. They, they are very experienced, very careful, um, have pretty strict protocols on how they handle the animals. So, um, you know, taking care of the animal is, is priority one. And uh, they do an excellent job. Everyone that, that handles these animals uh, does an excellent job. So that one was a little bit different study. Uh, you know, they were taking disease samples, blood, all of this stuff, really intensive. Uh, for the mule deer monitoring project, they're actually going to capture them on site again with a helicopter. The helicopter will land. Uh, one of the personnel will hop out um, again, blindfold, hobble the animal for safety while they're working, put the collar on at that point, and release them on site. So oh, wow. they're, they're not being brought to a staging area, it, and it goes, you know, a lot more quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be fairly lot, fast. Yeah, yeah. The, <clears throat> the other project you're referring to, you know, that was, you know, two, three days of, of pretty intensive work. Um, these folks know what they're doing. They'll, they'll get that collar fitted, get it turned on, release the animal on site. Uh, so it'll go fairly quickly. Now, I, I, I don't want to get too far off uh, the path here, but I was just curious with the weather being the way that it is now after such a hard winter last year. Are biologists saying anything about the weather this year? Hey, this is good for the deer herds or is this going to negatively impact them? Are they commenting at all? As of yet? No. And, you know, we will be going into our season setting process soon. So they are collecting data right now um, on all of that. I will say we we had a significant winter in our area last year. We all know that. I'm still traumatized. Um, <laughs> still reeling. It was, it was, it was a lot. And in fact, I think I just saw it was like last year in general was what the fifth wettest yeah. for Sheridan County on record. So it, it was a big, it was a big winter. Um, but um, if we did not have the catastrophic 
mortalities like they did in other parts of the state. Yeah. Definitely it was yeah. sig- a significant winter, and we had average to state. a yeah. little above average for mortalities. But for instance, you know, like these collared deer that we had over the winter, um, you know, you can't extrapolate this across the board, but at least for these, um, you know, we get a notice when one of these collared animals dies and they had, they were within normal limits of, of mortalities for winter. So um, on the plus side, all that moisture did, of course, provide great growing oh, for yeah. habitat, you know, plants really, it looked very green uh, for a long time. It, it looked really good. Beautiful. So, you know, and it, in theory, again, biologists are still working on it, but it should have been a pretty darn good year for forage production for those deer yeah. um, and, and, and other critters to, uh, you know, really put on the fat and accumulate and get ready for winter. I'm really looking forward to, you know, the information that they're going to be releasing at the season setting meetings uh, to find out what they have learned. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating just because it's been such an odd winter. excuse me, between now and last year. I mean, what a stark contrast. And so scientifically, I'm kind of curious about how this is going to affect our our local herds around here. Um, Now, just really quick, uh, season, uh, let's see, seasonal applications for the Wyoming Game and Fish. There's positions that we can apply for now. Yes, absolutely. So we do start hiring for some of these um, spring, summer, fall positions now. So anyone interested in potentially working for Game and Fish could take a look. If you go to our website, there's a link at the top says get involved. And when you click on that, you can go down and there's a link to careers. And so two things you can read about different careers if you're interested in a career in the wildlife field. Um, or some of our seasonal positions um, are not necessarily folks uh, wanting to make, you know, on a career path, but um, do want to work for Game and Fish and yeah. maybe get a little experience, see if they like it. So we've got a couple of different things locally that are open currently. Um, so aquatic invasive species uh, inspector positions. So these are folks who work at our check stations uh, four to six months. There's two different, uh, there's some four month and some six month positions. Um, locations would include Sheridan, Keyhole, Beulah, Newcastle, so kind of the northeast corner. And those start dates are either going to be 1st of April or mid-May. And uh, no previous experience is required. Training would be provided. So that's a good thing. Um, and fish hatchery technicians as well. So um, they're hiring for those statewide, but that does include story hatchery, our local hatchery as well. A um, little different there. You're going to be doing a lot more um, hatchery-related things like feeding fish, cleaning tanks, um, helping with stocking, helping with spawning, doing a lot more things related to fish production. And then we have fisheries technicians those are also being hired statewide. We do have two or three positions in Sheridan. And those are geared a little more for folks who are already on a career path in wildlife or thinking biology about it. Students. Biology type stuff. So they're going to assist our fisheries <clears throat> biologists with fish management activities. So they're going to help with um, population surveys netting, electrofishing, all these things uh, may help with angler surveys, you know, visiting with the public, uh, help with some reptile and amphibian studies, or excuse me, amphibian studies um, that we do. So every year they do some um, in the bighorns um, and out east of town. So kind of a variety of things that are all related to uh, fish management specifically. So definitely for anyone who's um, thinking they might want to a game and fish career or a wildlife career or are already say in college already on that path and think fish might be the way they want to go definitely take a look those would be pretty good option for them what a fantastic job uh you know if i would have known about these when i was much younger i probably would have applied i absolutely love fish i know that sounds a little odd but if i was going to go into biology that was the direction i was headed fascinating world underneath there all right we're gonna have more with the wyoming game and fish department when we return stay with us you're listening to public pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 fm shared
Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders. We pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. The following message presented by First Federal Bank and Trust, Sheridan's only mutual bank. Visit efirstfederal.bank. Hello, Sheridan County. My name is McKenna Mowry, and our We the People team recently won its 11th state championship in school history. We will represent Wyoming at the national finals in Washington, D.C. in April. Now, we need your financial help. To sponsor our team, send your gift of support to Sheridan High School CEO, We the People team. Please make your check out to the SHS Booster Club. On the check memo line, please indicate your donation to We the People. Thank you and go Bronx. If you're looking for a little extra sports coverage in life, you should check out the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast hosted by me, James Timberlake. Every week, we break down some of the biggest stories in the sports world, as well as some other topics along the way. And we'll maybe talk about something random, like how mind-blowing the invention of shoelaces must have been when they first came out. Who knows? For all of your sports jargon and maybe a little extra, check out the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast posted every Tuesday, wherever you you get your podcasts or on sharedmedia.com presented by Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate and Alpine Climate Control. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Happy New Year. Yeah, new Year, new me. New Year, but same team at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Did you know that our average employee tenure is 10 years? There's been a lot of changes in town. What you can count on with us are the same faces that live and work in our community. Well, who's worked the longest? Ken Weber has been here for 45 years. If you haven't been in to visit him or the team lately, come say hi and enter to win our monthly giveaway of $500 in Chamber Bucks so we can keep our shopping local. Stop in to Sheridan Honda and Power Sports today. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting and this morning I'm speaking with Wyoming Game and Fish Public Information Specialist Christina Schmidt. In the first part of the show, we spoke about the Mule Deer Monitoring Project as well as seasonal positions with the Game and Fish and how you can apply for those. If you missed it, you can listen online at SheridanMedia.com by finding this show in its entirety later today as well as some other shows under the Public Pulse tab. The Northeast Wyoming Sage Grouse Local Working Group, while that is a mouthful, will be holding a meeting. When will this happen, Christina? This will be January 25th, so a couple weeks out uh, in Gillette, but there is a Zoom option. So when they have these meetings, so uh, these working groups, there are, I believe, eight of them across the state. And just like they sound, they are composed of, of local residents um, working towards sage-grouse conservation and conservation of, of sagebrush habitat. So, Various stakeholders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and these have been in place for many years, so I think folks are, are kind of familiar with, with what they are. Uh, but they, they meet regularly. They will be meeting in January in Gillette, or anyone is welcome to attend. You can click on the Zoom link. Um, I did put it on our regional webpage yesterday, and the link to the Zoom uh, is right there. So if anyone wants to participate... Uh, and watch what's happening. Uh, it begins at 9 a.m., so it'll go till about lunchtime on the 25th. And um, I haven't seen a full agenda, but it uh, sounds like they'll be reviewing funding for projects. So a lot of what they do is focus on conservation projects locally in, in their area of interest uh, and, and look at different projects that could be funded, get results of you know, how different projects have gone, things like that. Just kind of, again, lots of effort on conservation of sage-grouse and sagebrush habitat. And I imagine probably a lot of grant searching when it comes to being a member of that, trying to find good federal grants so that we can get a lot of these projects funded. And now that's just an, an assumption on my part, purely speculative. Yeah, that, no, that's, <clears throat> I think that's true for, for almost every every kind of wildlife project. I mean, if you look at habitat projects, research projects, all those things Game & Fish does, they almost always involve lots of partners. Um, yeah. yeah, like you said, there may be federal government money, there may be nonprofits that have money, um, universities, you know, we, we partner, depending on the project, with lots of different groups um, to get these projects done. And you know, one thing, uh, you know, for those who are not hunters, uh, they may not understand how involved 
hunters and hunter associations are with conservation and working with game and fish uh, in various locations to try and make sure that uh, the the big game are taken care of. You know, I don't think a lot of people understand that they are as involved as everybody else when it comes to getting that kind of stuff done. Now, heading on down, if uh, you've received a hunter harvest survey via email or mail, please fill it out and return it. This information is uh, pretty critical, folks. This is the kind of stuff that helps, uh, like the season-setting meetings that are coming up, doesn't it? Absolutely. These go out every year to um, thousands of people across the state who have licenses for... um, Big game, primarily, so deer, elk, antelope, uh, but also uh, bear, lion, moose. Oh, okay. All these. So lots of they get them too. Lots I didn't of know these. That. Lots of these surveys go out. Um, I will say for deer, elk, and antelope, people get the question they may have gotten because there are so many licenses issued. We don't send one to every single license holder. Kind of a random. It, it's drawing. a random sample, and so you know. Some people say, hey, I've gotten one of these for three years. I didn't get mine this year. It's just because you weren't in the sample. There's there's nothing. There's no glitch there. It's just you weren't part of the sample this year. You might very well get one next year. That being said, that makes it all the more important if you did get one yeah. to please send it in. So um, it's a questionnaire um, asking about your hunt or whatever species you were after. What hunt area were you in? How many days did you hunt? Were you successful? Were you not successful? Just a lot of details about um, how your hunt went. And even if you did not harvest anything, that is very important information. So just if you didn't get anything, um, please still fill it out. Um, If you hunted for 10 days, couldn't get one, please send that in. If you hey, I didn't get a chance to go this year, so I didn't harvest anything. Still send that in. All of that is really valuable information. It's just part of one piece of the puzzle that the biologists use as they're uh, getting an idea of how the hunting season went, what's going on with local herds, things like that. So it's very important. Please send that in if you got it. Um, it, It's fairly simple. Uh, Should just take a few minutes, but very important information. So this isn't like a big booklet by any means. No, this is just no, no. real quick yeah, couple yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, it's a, it's a few pages that get into questions, but it shouldn't it shouldn't take terribly long. No, um, and and again, very important information. Um, yeah, it it's definitely used. It's not one of those where it gets set aside and and you know never looked at again. It's it all of that information is compiled and used. And uh, a lot of that information helps, uh, like I said, with the season setting uh, as we go forward. I think you said next month. Um, So in March, March, we'll have meetings. So we'll talk about this uh, a bit more in February. But biologists are beginning again with all the compiling all their data, looking at uh, what might be proposed for uh, the upcoming hunting season. So uh, got some dates set for public meetings. We've done these for years and years in the Sheridan region. We usually have an open house where folks can come in, ask questions, visit, and then we have a formal meeting after that. And we do have these in uh, different communities in Northeast Wyoming to try to make it as easy as possible for folks to attend. Uh, Great chance to come visit with your biologist, your warden. Um, You know, there's some presentations. We'll put those online as well uh, later in March. So if you can't make a meeting, you could still get um, current information on on what the biologists are looking at for seasons. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll go in more in depth in February for sure. But just for folks to be aware, March will be when we have those conversations. All right, Christina, I greatly appreciate you coming in this morning, my friend. Happy New Year. You as well. All right, when we return, we're going to speak with the City of Sheridan and Sage Community Arts about an upcoming art gala. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM Sheridan.
First Federal Bank and Trust presents the return of Dining for a Cause at Smith Alley Brewing on Monday, January 22nd from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Our goal is to support local restaurants and nonprofits. On January 22nd, help us support the incredible work of the Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange. First Federal will match the restaurant's proceeds from that day up to $10,000. Dining for a Cause, Monday, January 22nd at Smith Alley Brewing with proceeds benefiting Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange. Dining for a Cause presented by First Federal Bank and Trust. Moss Holders Design Center is here to help you create a space that you'll love. If you're relocating, remodeling, or just refreshing your home, Moss Holders' talented design team can help you through the process. With free in-home consultations, Moss Holders will be able to find the furniture and finishing touches that work best with your space, your lifestyle, and your budget. So if you want to change the look of just one room or furnish an entire home, Moss Holders designers can get it done. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. After the busy holidays have passed, don't forget those loved ones in January. Legacy Diamond and Gems has a large selection of garnet, January's birthstone, and rings, pendants, earrings, and bracelets. Beautiful garnets from Montana, Brazil, Africa, and other locations throughout the world. Come into Legacy Diamond and Gems for the finest quality jewelry at an exceptional value. 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Download the McDonald's app, join My McDonald's Rewards to get your free large fries with a $1 minimum purchase. Plus, when you join My McDonald's Rewards, you start earning points on every eligible order. Points you can put towards more free food. Just order, relax, and enjoy. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store, download the McDonald's mobile app, and start saving. Download it now. So, my New Year's resolution is to never take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night again. Your resolution should be to get that broke-down 4x4 side-by-side that you're never going to ride again out of the backyard. Handles will come and take a look at it, make you an offer, and if you take them up on it, Handles will come out and get that old girl out of your yard and out of your hair. Have a safe and happy New Year from Handles Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive or on the web at handlesservicecenter.com. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Happy New Year. Yeah, new Year, new me. New Year, but same team at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Did you know that our average employee tenure is 10 years? There's been a lot of changes in town. What you can count on with us are the same faces that live and work in our community. Well, who's worked the longest? Ken Weber has been here for 45 years. If you haven't been in to visit him or the team lately, come say hi and enter to win our monthly giveaway of $500 in Chamber Bucks so we can keep our shopping local. Stop in to Sheridan Honda and Power Sports today. The following message is presented by Century 21 BHJ, 101 South Main. This is Jeff from Sheridan Fire Rescue reminding you of the importance of having working smoke detectors in your home. Remember that if your smoke detectors are over 10 years old, they should be replaced. Also, remember to change the batteries in your smoke detectors every six months. If you need smoke detectors, you can call Sheridan Fire Rescue at 307-674-7244 and we will provide them at no cost to you. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For our second part this morning, I am joined by Sheridan City Clerk and Strategy Director Cecilia Good, Senior Human Resource Generalist Nicole Romeo, and Executive Director of Sage Community Arts. She has returned Jill Benson. Good morning, ladies, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Cecilia, uh, we have got an event coming up here at the city. It's something that... Jill and I kind of touched base on, not on the show yesterday, but afterwards. I think it's a fantastic idea. Tell me about this art gallery. So what we're doing is we're going to be presenting artwork at City Hall um, in partnership with Sage. And I'm going to let Jill talk a little bit more about that. Uh, It's going to be coming up on Monday. Uh, We're doing a little gala from 5 to 7 before the city council meeting. And that's going to be City Hall. We're showing artwork on second and third floor. Um, So that's really exciting. This partnership is fantastic. Um, We're going to be um, adding to our artwork program. Not only are we going to have the artwork outside, but we're going to be displaying artwork inside as well because we have our public arts program as well. So 
Now, Jill, how many pieces are going to be up in City Hall? I mean, two floors worth. Two floors worth, which is super exciting. So I think we'll be seeing anywhere between 24 to 30-something. So we gave some of our members a, a limit, but they're like, is that a hard limit? What, if, what <laughs> yeah. if I brought in more? Um, is that liquid? <laughs> what, how is this movable? And so, which is super exciting. This is we kind of mentioned yesterday. This community is so supportive of the arts, and it's um, so visually uh, represented right now with what we get to do with this next level of partnership with the city, which is so exciting. And yeah. um, getting to be part to help curate that to again find new members that could be part of sage or new artists out there that we haven't connected with uh which is so exciting again seeing the diversity that you see of your city staff as uh, cecilia said we have city employees showing not only their expertise in their daily job but what they're able to create and uh, being able to highlight that is going to be extremely exciting really okay so say that last part one more time we're talking city some city employees are doing this as yes well. yeah so how cool is that it's unbelievably cool yeah. it's just like what we say at sage all the time there's this you know it's probably not an undercurrent anymore there's this wave of arts throughout the the community of sheridan and the surrounding areas that you'll be you go down to Java Moon and your eye doctor is playing beautiful piano or some of our most amazing photographers, also your dentist. It's like there's just so multi-diversity within our community citizens. Yeah. And then again, you get to see it right there in front of you in this beautiful building of City Hall. You're like, hey, Hans Mercer? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's going to be not just uh, an engineer. Not right? just an engineer. <laughs> you know, I find that abso absolutely fascinating when it comes to Sheridan. I'm sure a lot of places are like this, but for some reason in this region of Wyoming, I feel like we have got so many talented people in performing arts, in the visual arts. I mean, when it comes to theater and dance and all that, it's just. It's almost overwhelming where it's just, I want to make sure that I'm getting everything covered here. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because we have a lot of talent up here. How long are these going to be on display? Uh, each rotation that we're going to be doing at City Hall will be about three months long. So you'll see this through the end of March. And then we're going to rotate uh, another three months. Hopefully we'll get some uh, school kids in will be what our next one that we do for that second quarter Sage will be uh, storming it again the third quarter. Uh, once we put the call out, it was awesome to see our Sage members. They're like, we want to do this. Let's, let's go. We were going to just do one artist on each floor, but we had such a uh, response to it that we get to just have a, a multi-artist show again. And then we'll think it's something pretty fun for that last quarter, too. Nicole, how did how did the city approach its employees on on how to do this? Did you guys just put out like an email? Hey, do you, do you have art that you want on display? Yeah, pretty much. We let them know that this was an idea that we had. Um, sent out a citywide email and just said, "Hey, do you guys want to submit some art?" Um, pretty open, honestly. Um, and we were really surprised by not only the amount of people that wanted to contribute, but also the certain people that contributed. Cause yeah. like Jill said, I mean, not just an engineer and actually Hans Mercer is one of our contributors. Oh, fantastic. So, That's great. Yes. Yeah, so we've, we've got a lot of different mediums. There was a couple of people on our little committee that is, that kind of has been working on this that contributed, but then people that we just really didn't have any idea had this side talent of art um, and they responded. So after they responded that they wanted to contribute the art, we had them bring it down to City Hall. We have been storing it in the famous vault on second floor. And um, that's, that's you know, an ominous person. Yes, the, vault. the famous vault, <laughs> one of the famous vaults. Um, and, you know, it's we're just overwhelmed by the response and and how talented some of our staff are. How amazing is that? Yeah. You know, to, to be able to go up to City Hall and see something you know, like absolutely beautiful and be like, man. My garbage guy did that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's fantastic, This these hidden talents that people are willing to share. Now, before I go into uh, the partnership and how this all began, Cecilia, whose idea was this to sit back at the city and be like, you know what would be great? Throwing up some art. That is a fantastic question. I'm not sure where it originated from. Uh, we started the discussion um, during meetings, we talked about sprucing up City Hall. There's been a lot of efforts to really 
rejuvenate the city, um, the building. Um, you know, we've done some work on painting and carpeting and, um, just working on the offices, doing, replacing the windows. So, you know, with all of that work, we said, well, you know, it, it could use something more visually appealing and the walls and I, are a little bare. Yeah, right? it's a little bare in there. So, you know, I, I am the, the treasurer on the public arts committee. So, um, with my connection to the public arts committee, I, um, volunteered to lead that project. And, um, you know, with, with um, Jill being the executive director for the the public arts committee, it was an automatic, um, you know, connection there. You didn't that, have to go far. No, exactly. So my my direct link was, you know, hey, I'd like to to work with Jill and um, work on getting some artwork in in city hall and what does that look like? And we really, you know, we started a committee and an internal committee that uh, would coordinate this effort and. Um, got Sage on board and and really, you know, figured out what that would look like. We worked with um, uh, engineering staff to get art rails installed. And, um, you know, it was it was a big project yeah, to really. get all of this coordinated. So it was fantastic. And everybody, you know, put in a lot of effort to get this done. And I, I love to hear about the effort because, you know, some people might think, well, they just went through a couple nails in the wall. We're going to hang some stuff up. But that's not, there's a lot more to that, isn't it, Cecilia? Yeah, we actually had to, uh, you know, we we want to make City Hall look cohesive. So, you know, even for the art rails, we had to make sure it matched the the infrastructure and the, the molding in the, the city. So we had to have somebody come in and, and stain it properly and, um, you know, bevel the edges so that the, the hooks matched um, matched up and so that the, the um, hooks hang properly um, because we have the, all of the equipment, um, in there to hang everything up. And so, you know, we, we had everything set up to move forward and, um, you know, it was a bit of a project, so it was all custom made. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a big deal to get that installed properly and, um, it turned out great. So we're looking forward to, um, the results of that efforts and having all of that artwork hung up and everybody, uh, seeing that on Monday. Now, Jill, when it comes to the mediums, uh, were, were there any parameters that were set uh, by the committee for the artists saying, okay, we can't, <clears throat> excuse me, we can't be bigger than this or smaller than that? We, not too much. So what we had done, and this, it again, just as Cecilia said, it was such a beautiful partnership and made such easy connections Sage has our Art in the Wild program where we have probably four or five other businesses that we help curate art in. So it was just an automatic step for us to do this. And then as being um, the director of SPAC also stepping into that. Um, and so we we did a little bit of size parameters just because I do know the sizing of some of the artwork that my artists want to bring in. I was like, we may not have (laughs) some of those, but we'll be able to see after this first installation. So they'll, but um, we, we opened it up to anything that they could do. So there's a little bit of sizing, but I'm also a very optimistic art hanger. So we can, I'm like, we will make it work and it'll be, beautiful like i've said my friend that is your gift (laughs) that is that is your art (laughs) and so i was i'm tickled and excited to get all the artwork it's coming in this week we're so excited seeing it come in i probably have about half the work already and i'm just like so excited to see it out there and have the community come in there's probably some pieces i'm like i have to let it display but I might want to buy that one. <laughs> the great in the nursery. <laughs> now, when it comes to uh, the types, so we're we're looking mainly at things that I can hang up on a wall, right? So I'm not going to be walking through there having to avoid bumping into any displays of pottery, am I? Well, there are a few 3D pieces that we will be seeing. So there won't be as much as, say, like if you came to the Sage Gallery having all of our pedestals up. But that's, again, we wanted to open it up to all of our artists out there that if you are a 3d artist you still have a spot to go yeah. we still will find this place to appreciate you and so there's gonna be some different locations it'll be primarily it will be um the 2d wall art but again you can turn some of that into 3d as well now 
let's uh, tell me one more time how many pieces were submitted. Do we do we know that number right off the top? We got a couple vaults worth. I think we're going to be looking at closer to thirty-five. Was there a selection process? Almost kind of like what we were talking about, how we juror things down. I got 400 pieces (laughs) submitted, but I only have room for 35. Um, I left it open to first come, first serve, because we've put the call out to some of our other Art in the Wild places, and we let the the place kind of speak to the artist. Like, is this where you want to see your art? Is this where you have a connection? And um, just as part of why we are doing this, of getting... Art put up at City Hall is trying to get more people in, make it not like an oppressive place to come into. It's like, it's your City Hall. We want you to come in. We yeah. want you to be part of there. And so we didn't, wasn't sure, like, how is the call going to go? Overwhelming us. So it, we put it out within hours. We had the list full as we had one one floor for Sage this time. Like, all right, well, how about July? Would you like to come back in July? You can have some more. I have two floors at that point. And they're like, yes. And we already have most of that show filled for July already. We still have spaces, Sage members. If you're out there, call me. <laughs> so this is going to be something that's consistent, correct? Cecilia, this is just over and over and over. M- more art from uh, not just city employees, but eventually like residents. Uh, yes, we're looking at doing uh, constant rotations. So we're looking at schools and, um, you know, just doing whatever we can to um, create a unique experience for people coming into City Hall. Um, we want to keep it fresh. We want to keep it fun. Um, we, we Like Jill said, we don't want to keep it. Um, we don't want it to be an impressive experience when you're walking through City Hall. Yeah. Um, we want it to be very lively in there. So. How cool is that, the schools? Yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be absolutely adorable. All due respect to the hardcore artists in school, but at the same time, I mean, can you imagine walking through school as a little nine-year-old and seeing your picture up on the wall at City Hall? Boy, wow, that'd be fantastic. So the regular rotation is going to be happening uh, on January 15th, a gala is going to be held. This is going to be kind of our, our grand opening, correct? Uh, who wants to talk about the gala? What am I going to see there? Oh, I got looked at, so I guess it's me. <laughs> um, so it starts at 5 p.m., and it's going to run until council begins at 7 p.m., and what you're going to see there is art of many different mediums. Even within our employees, we've got photography, we've got painting, we've got woodworking. Um, we had somebody who kind of wanted to do welding, but... The only size parameter we told our employees is it can't impede foot traffic. And they were like, this is the size of a desk. So we're like, maybe not, not right now, but, um, but lots of different mediums. And I'm sure it's the same with Sage. Jill was saying, you know, they've got some 3d pieces as well. Um, we're going to have snacks, um, and non-alcoholic wine provided by Verdello. And we're just going to see people kind of walking through open house style. Come check out the art on second, third floor, come check out city hall in general, um, just have a good time, talk about it, you know, kind of free-flowing, like art should be, right? Free-flowing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic, and That's we're super be, excited. Yeah. Yeah. Now, will artists be on hand during the gala? If if I get up there, see a piece that I like, I can ask some questions about it of the artist? Are they going to so. be there? Yeah, we're going to really work to, um, our artists have all been invited to come in. Uh, those who are local will probably be able to make it. Uh, what's so exciting about, you know, Sage and this partnership is, uh, some of our members aren't immediately local, so they've traveled in this week to drop off their work. So if they may not be able to make it uh, that night, but a lot of our artists will be there and Sage will be providing artist tags for everyone. So you will be able to pick out which one to go talk to and be like, I love your art. Let me inquire about how to purchase it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. All right. One more time. Tell me the time, date and place that this is going to be taking place. January 15th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. at City Hall, 55 Grinnell Plaza. All right. I've only got two minutes left, but I've been asking people questions going into the new year. Now, I believe yesterday you and I spoke about uh, a hobby that we wanted to improve ourselves on going in. Today's question, and and I'll start with you, Nicole. What should you throw out in 2024 that you haven't? What should I throw out? Like a possession of some sort? Or Or an attitude or the way that you approach something. I, one of my new year's resolutions is actually to be more optimistic. So I guess throwing out any negative vibes, I that's what that. I'm doing. I like that. Jill. 
I I want to go to Cecilia. Okay, Cecilia. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> oh wow. It's um, it's a it's a big question when you really think about it. Well, I'm going to take that literally and I'm going to say I need to throw out most of the junk that I've stored up in my house um because I I have a literal junk room. So, I want to be more organized in 2024. Um, it's funny because I'm pretty organized in my work life, but like you see my office and you're like, wow, she is an organized lady. You go to my <laughs> house and you're like, wow, what happened here? So you yeah, go. you devote all your organization to work. Yes, That's exactly. All That's yep. all it is. Yep. Jill. Okay. I kind of combining the two, actually, I want to throw out the stuff in my life that is not allowing me to live into the person that I'm saying that I am, especially with the we one on the way. I want to make sure we are We're running out of time, my friend. Go we'll ahead. Do it. I will make sure that I'm living the life I want to live. So clearing out the clutter that's not doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for coming in and speaking with me this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank You've you. been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust presents the return of Dining for a Cause at Smith Alley Brewing on Monday, January 22nd from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Our goal is to support local restaurants and nonprofits. On January 22nd, help us support the incredible work of the Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange. First Federal will match the restaurant's proceeds from that day up to $10,000. Dining for a Cause, Monday, January 22nd at Smith Alley Brewing, with proceeds benefiting Sheridan Foster Parent Exchange. Dining for a Cause, presented by First Federal Bank and trust. Once again, the Wild Theater's Classic Western Film Festival takes you back to the days when, if you worked for the man, you rode for his brand. Every Sunday in January, the Wild will feature an iconic Western film introduced by a local luminary. This Sunday, author Craig Johnson of Longmire fame hosts Blood on the Moon, starring Robert Mitchum as a down-and-out drifter hired to help mediate a cattle dispute. But in reality, it's a swindle involving the local Indian agent and the big cattle outfits. The cowboy has to choose between his old saddle partner or what he knows in his code of the West heart is the right thing to do. Join us this Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Wyo Theater for our classic Western matinee on the big screen the way they were intended to be seen. Free popcorn and great door prizes. Sponsored by Jeff Ware and Carmel Timmons, Tracy and Elizabeth Swanson, Isley Family Foundation, Kathy McNichol, Christine Gimp Love Foundation, Truebilt Builders, Stephanie's Purpose, Gene and Vicki Sterling, Jim and Angie Navarro, and O.W. Land and Cattle Company. Remember when your mom used to say, don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back? Well, if you ignored her and broke your arm, then the Health Nut is the place for you to get all healthy again. Every inch of the Health Nut can make you feel better about yourself. The soup, sandwich, and salad bar, and smoothie so good you'll forget you even got a broke arm. Remember how your mom used to say you'd forget your head if it wasn't glued on? Well, we can't fix that, but most everything else at the Health Nut in Sheridan's Fifth Street Mall. Hi, this is Ken with Prime Rate Motors, and we are looking to buy your clean used vehicles, campers, UTVs, and tractors of any age. Are your payments too high? We will also downtrade you out of your current vehicle into a more affordable one. Or if you just need a professional assessed value of your current car, truck, or SUV, we do on the spot appraisals. Stop by 2305 Coffeen Avenue in Sheridan or call 674 6677 and also see our full inventory at primeratemotors.com. Fox Sports Radio is back in Sheridan all day long, every single day. Tune into the best sports lineup in the nation every single day on Sheridan Media's 106.3 FM. The best sporting lineup in the nation all day, every day, 24-7. Sheridan Media's 106.3 FM and online at SheridanMedia.com. We are Fox Sports!